This episode of Paper Cuts was recorded live at the Magical Riso Conference in November 2018. Uh, Magical Riso is a three-day risograph conference organized by Jo Franken at the Jan van Eyck Academy. As part of the conference, 120 printmakers, zinesters, book artists, just general print nerds all came together to talk about their experience printing with the risograph, um, their tips and tricks for doing so, and generally just get to know a larger international community of risograph printers. This episode was recorded live as a panel discussion at Magical Riso. This was the final event on the final day of the conference. Joining me in conversation are Jessjeet Gill from Color Code, Maritz Grunke of We Make It and the collective Gloria Glitzer, and Marie Campestron from Risotto and Riso Samara. Enjoy the show. So, I guess we're going to get started here. Um, thank you all for coming. My name is Christopher Cardambicus, and as you probably read on the poster, otherwise I don't really know why you're, why you're here, but um, this is going to be a live recording of a podcast called Paper Cuts. Uh, Paper Cuts is hosted by myself, and it largely focuses on zines, DIY publications, and artist books. Um, you can find the podcast anywhere where you prefer to listen to your pods. So if you download things on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, I'm blanking on all the other names, but if you search for Paper Cuts, you'll find our, our history. Um, before I get started, I'd like to thank Yo Franken here from Magical Riso and the Van Eyck Academy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you a beer after this. And, you know, cheers to you. This is really amazing. Um, I've absolutely loved being part of Magical Riso this year, and I think it's a very special space that you've created to allow all of us to get together and talk to each other about printing and publishing and the way that this whole event has been structured to actually allow space for rest and for conversations to develop outside of this programming like this um, has just been really special. So I've had a very uh, full and happy heart all weekend. This is wonderful. Um, and also thank you to Hamid Soleimani, who is making all this amazing recording equipment possible. Um, and thank you to our guests. Uh, we've got today Maritz Grunke from We Make It and Gloria Glitzer, Makri Campestron from Glasgow visiting us with Riso Sermer, and also worked at Risotto, and Jessjeet Gill from Color Code visiting from Toronto. So guys, thank you so much for being part of this. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. <laughs> so one of the, the great things with Magical Riso is, of course, an entire weekend that is dedicated to risography and to the risograph machine. And one of the things that I found a lot of people talking about um, in terms of why risograph is so popular is the accessibility of the machine a low cost in printing, which allows for more people to actually print with it. 
and then the possibilities for distribution because of the high numbers that you're able to achieve in terms of prints itself. Um, but using that as kind of a departure point, I think what I'm most interested in is the idea of using the risograph for publishing, or in a larger sense, publishing in general. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you each about was your publishing practices, um, how you conceive them, how you think about them, um, and how you're actively engaging with a larger publishing community. So by ways of introductions, so I don't have to give a in-depth intro for each of you, um, I'd like to hear you uh, talk a little bit about your press and what you publish. And Maurice, since you're right in front of me, <laughs> and you, you have some books in front of you, why don't you tell us about them? Okay. <clears throat> um, I'm one and a half of uh, Gloria Glitzer. Gloria Glitzer is a um, team of two people, Francisca Brandt and myself. Um, we both did it to, uh, run it together. Gloria Glitzer is kind of an avatar or title for a project or artist group. And um, yeah, doing we understand our, um, our artistic practice and uh, is doing artist books. Uh, beside, um, or to um, make it live, I uh, have a risograph printing studio called uh, We Make It. It's based in Berlin, as we live in Berlin, um, where we uh, provide risograph printing uh, to other people. Um, we Make It is kind of a hybrid, It's because it's it's a risograph print workshop, but it's also um, uh, a library. It hosts the, um, a library dedicated to stencil printed artist books, so mainly risograph printed, but also uh, Rico or Gestetner or any other stencil printing technique. And um, it is also an exhibition space. We do exhibitions from time to time, um, but it's also an the open workshop so um, it, we are artists ourselves we know that uh, budgets are often very short and um, so the artists are, are able to um, work uh, on the binding of the books to uh, um, um, yeah, lower the price um, and I, I also collect artist books myself have a huge library at home I always say it's kind of my retirement fund because it's hard <laughs> to make a life from arts. And um, I'm also working for Miss Reed, the art book fair. Yeah. Excellent. One of the core team. Yeah, I brought three books. It's, I think, way too many. Um, but um, I can just talk about one or two. Yeah, maybe um, hold one up for our yeah. studio audience I think here. One good example of our work is the non. It's a book um, we did, uh, I think, two years ago. Yeah, it's um, kind of, uh, most of our books are um, uh, kind of uh, homages or uh, a memoriam to, to the uh, artistic work of other artists. This one is uh, mainly uh, conceptual art or abstract art from um, North America and the 60s, so um, it uh, gathers several uh, 
pages with showing abstract art. Daniel Buren is not from US, I guess, but he's quite often in there as well. And it, it's just graphics that are kind of um, related to artworks from this time. So Solovit is in there. Uh, Roy Lichtenstein, not really uh, an abstract artist, but with his pattern maybe in a way. Um, Lawrence Weiner, Daniel Buren, and so on. And uh, the interesting part was when we did the research on this book, um, we found out that there was a, uh, an, an anarchistic group in the, um, uh, in the, sorry, <laughs> in the uh, civil war uh, in Spain against Franco that had the idea to, um, to punish uh, the fascists I caught and imprisoned uh, with uh, abstract art. So they developed a prison where they painted on the wall abstract paintings. There's, uh, we did found some pictures oh. of it and uh, put in, for example, so a drawing like this or like this or just a wall with dots randomly. And uh, the idea was really uh, to uh, make them suffer or to punish them because uh, they uh, don't like it. And we really like, it, like the idea and thought uh, maybe the uh, publication is also kind of a vehicle to uh, uh, make a change in this way or to uh, yeah, make it suffer. N yeah. Most of our publications there's kind of a very uh, subtle political uh, uh, statement in it. And um, I would show just another one. Yeah, and tell us about one more. Yeah. Um, that's and uh, also, sorry to interrupt, but do you mind if we pass these to yeah, the sure. people that are around? Yeah. That's um, the so-called Kako. Uh, Kako um, enters the mini museum. So this is now on the record. Yes, it is. So yeah. My bad. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I didn't unlock those. <laughs> It's like the audio version of a YouTube opening up video. Yep. Yeah. Good for the atmosphere. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is uh, several parts. It's uh, a facsimile print of uh, the blog magazine um, and uh, the book itself, and also a postcard with a stick on it. Um, it's kind of. Uh, a homage to uh, Katarzyna Kopro. Katarzyna Kopro is a Russian artist that uh, migrated to Poland in the early uh, 1920s. She was a sculptor and uh, very progressive if you look at, at, at her work, because uh, there you see a lot of stuff uh, you recognize also uh, in the work from uh, the artist from the Bauhaus, but um, it was in a, a bit before. Also, the uh, block book. Uh, um, oh yeah, sorry, I jumped. Uh, she was also part of the artist group uh, named Block. Uh, and uh, the interesting part is that this artist group also uh, did an artist magazine called Block as well. This is the first issue. It was really just like four pages, so folded page, uh, printed in uh, um, letter set, and also set in letter set. Um, a letterpress, sorry. Um, 
it was a bit like an open call. They invited artists from uh, they know from their um, network and uh, also from abroad. And the interesting thing is that uh, they submitted texts or images, and the texts are printed in their original language. So you have text in Czech, you have text in Russian, you have text in German, in English, and so on. So nobody uh, who understands all of those languages is able to uh, yeah, uh, get uh, the whole content of the scene. That's, That's great. Yeah. And I really like the approach to it. Um, yeah, Katagina, um, the book itself, uh, uh, contains uh, a lot of, of graphics we did uh, that are somehow related to her biography or her artworks. So it's it's all weasel printed, by the way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, here for example, there's uh, first uh, when Katarzyna started, she did a lot of uh, sculptures made from bread and uh, flour, and oh uh, no, sorry, plaster. Um, yeah, and this is um, can this this can be read as kind of a memoriam, but for us it's also kind of a feministic work because um, that's why we did the card as well. It's a bit out of context because it's a, a few years later. This is uh, the card shows a tile that was sent to the moon. It's called the Moon Museum. The sad part is I forgot the first name of the guy who. Um, Organized this uh, thing. Maya was his last name. Um, he invited uh, six artists to uh, do a drawing that's uh, that's to be printed on the uh, on the tile. The tile is very small; it uh, has the size of the fingertip, and it was mounted to to a vehicle uh, they used on the moon to to ride around. Uh, and the it's really very well-known artist. There is a drawing by um, um, Andy Warhol, uh, Rauschenberg, um, uh, Klaus Oldenburg, and the other one I forgot. But it turned out that uh, all of them were male artists, so that's why we add the sticker on top that's showing the groups, because it also uh, tells something uh, about the time. Yeah, yeah, and see uh, why we started doing research or doing this book was that we really found very rarely information on Katarzyna Kupro, even if she was very progressive in what she did. And I can pass it around. Sorry. And. Um, yeah, that was one of the motive uh, or one of the points uh, starting this publication as well. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll dig I have more. another one that would be offset printed, but okay. Yeah, no, we'll dig more into everything in a little yeah. bit. I can pass this around maybe without saying anything. Great. Um, so, just can you tell us a little bit about Color Code, um, what you're publishing? Can you tell us a little bit about color code and what you're publishing? Uh, sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, my name is Jez G. Gill. I'm from Toronto, uh, from Color Code Printing. I run Color Code with my wife, Jenny, and Color Code is a risograph and screen printing studio. We run it, run a print, uh, print service and also a small press. 
um, all based around resale, which is what's brought me here. Um, and like Chris said, like uh, we all love resale because of how affordable uh, the uh, how affordable it is, how accessible it is, and um, for all these reasons, um, with our publishing practice with Color Code, that's what I'm trying. What we are trying to introduce to the artists that we work with. Um, I have I've been screen printing uh, show posters and uh, my own scenes since I was 20 years old in in, uh, in art school. And um, yeah, I got into I went to art school because I made show posters. Yeah, and um, a lot of the artists I work with currently now. Uh, 13 years later, these are artists that I connected, uh, uh, they, that I connected with through a community of show poster makers. Um, we would, like we're all very interested in punk music, making flyers, screen printing, and like kind of DIY uh, art making. And um, at some point in the last uh, decade, I found Riso and had a revelation uh, about the process and about how and how it affected my life and my art practice and um, so like I'm st I still uh, so I'll, I'll show this book uh, I have a book here called Binoculars by an, a Japanese artist named Tatsunori Tawaraya he's a he's a, a printmaker and a painter illustrator. Um, He's in a, he has a punk band called Two Up. And so it's Binoculars, it's the third book in a series. The first two are uh, called Monitor and Telescope, and these are all the apparatus that he is looking through to see uh, uh, like an imaginary, really crazy world uh, that's populated by uh, real wild characters. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's really fun and uh, yeah, it's just uh, I'll pass this around, uh, please. Um, yeah, so with Tetsunori and with many of the artists that we started our 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 publishing practice with, um, I'm trying to share the elation that I found in resale printing. Um, we don't. Uh, we're not like, in, like weighing the artist down with too much technical information about how it all works or what they should be doing. They yeah. give us they give us their projects and we trans translate it as best we can to resell. And besides it just being uh, affordable and easy to do, resell brings resell just changes everything. It changes all the artwork and creates really crazy results that you don't often expect. Um, yeah, so those are, that's how, that's how we started our publishing practice now that we're a bit more comfortable and uh, maybe growing some. It's, we're reaching out to, uh, we try to reach out to more artists than just those within a small circle. Yeah. Great, thank yeah. you.
in Mahri? Uh, yes, my name is Noeli. I'm from the, the French part of Basque country. Um, first, I studied Fresco and Mosaics in Paris, and then I studied communication and illustration in the Glasgow School of Art. So I've been living in Glasgow for seven years. Um, after graduating, quite quickly after, I was really lucky to be hired at Risotto Studio and to work with uh, Gabriela Marcello. Uh, and yes, yeah, so even though I did a bit of Rizzo at uni and then I did lo lots of screen printing, I also like letterpress and uh, lino cut. Um, but obviously having access to a Rizzo I very easily changed um, things and yeah, and um, it also allowed me to meet uh, Elise Rigolet and Inas Grado and Margot Bigou who were or will be some of them uh, interns at Risotto Studio and then we became friends and we had a table at the Glasgow Zine Fest uh, twice and I think for the second time we wanted to sound a bit more united so we said oh yeah, yeah we're gonna call it uh, some name and then oh we're gonna say it's a collective um, we have to make it sound French and uh, Elise is from La Rochelle and all the Apparently all the towns around where she lives are called something sur mer, so it's like something on the sea. And we thought, oh, Rizal sur mer, and also it looks quite like a holiday place, I don't know, it sounds nice. Um, and after that we decided that actually it was um, stupid to, do, to choose a name just for a table in a festival, and uh, we decided to work a bit more together. Um, so we're five, there's two in Paris, two in Glasgow, and Elise is currently in Portland. Uh, so we don't have a studio, we don't print together necessarily. We, um, they, Elise and uh, Margot bought a machine from Rizzo Presto, and so they have, they have a Rizzo in Paris. So we print in different places. I print everything in, in Rizzo, so they print in Paris, uh, and Elise is printing in Portland as well. Um, and yes, for so the first, for, so I wrote this book, which is our first collaboration. Although it was not really, like Elise was already in Portland when we started. Um, so, yeah. Um, and it's more, yeah, it's more like experimenting. Uh, it's not super, it was not ex maybe necessarily very well planned, uh, but it was fun to do. And then, so uh, I still work at Risotto, and on the side I try to do my own work, but I don't make money from it. Um, so I also bought the zine to defrost it, uh, and it's just experiments. So it's all fruits. There's no uh, high-level concept behind it. Um, it's just more like uh, playing with the colors and how to separate and how to uh, build an image. Yeah, yeah. And I also, yeah, I'm also currently doing a residency in the case room in SWG3 in Glasgow. Uh, doing letterpress and lino and uh, soon woodcut. Excellent. Yeah. So now that everyone kind of like knows who each other is and uh, kind of introduced yourself to the audience, I'm always interested in the printed book or the printing process as a, as a way to think through concepts or a way to explore and experiment and to learn. Um, but I'd like to hear you talk about how that applies to your publishing practice. It seems like oftentimes when you're working with artists, there is an element of education where you have to give them an idea of what the Risograph can do or is useful for, but also how that 
transforms your understanding of the machine being presented with uh, questions you might not know the answers for when you're t taking on a book project with another artist. So one way to look at the publishing projects or the book form is a way of thinking and a way of thinking through problems. And I didn't know if that was related at all to your approach in producing work. <coughs> and I can just open this up. Um, for So for color code, um, we're very our publishing practice is embedded into the printing. Like we, we don't uh, really, we're not ever gonna, or we don't plan on like pursuing any other kind of printing. Like we're not yeah. gonna do an offset book. We're not gonna do anything digital to suit someone's, someone else's practice. We are trying to bring artists in into our world and translate uh, what they have um, translate what they are making uh, into with the reso or with also sometimes screen printing um, and in that way make it more of a collaboration than just re reproduction of uh, the work yeah uh, often it is I mean on its face uh, I think it, a lot of our books can look do look just like reproductions of paintings or prints or existing work but then behind that behind the curtain we uh, like we do a lot of uh, we do a lot of work to make it make sense for the reso and not doesn't it's not something we always share with the artists like we don't uh, tell them to m make us work in a, any particular way okay. to make sense for reso printing or for screen printing, we'll take what they have and and we'll make it work. And uh, in that way, that's why that's how it, that's how we collaborate with the artists. Often, we're I mean I don't know if I if this is real or not, but like we're like we make the separations, but then we're also like drawing into their separations to manually make trap the artwork and oh, like, yeah, so yeah. like re, kind of redrawing a lot of things to make it print well and we don't we've never told anyone that we did, did that yeah. <laughs> but it, sometimes it's like we've totally remade remade something just to make it print and appear the way it originally appeared or in like it's in, also very kind of you it's like being aware of stress levels for the artists you're working with. Uh, it's because it's a, a lot of that has to do with the timelines that we work with, especially doing contract printing, and then uh, maybe just because of our the way we schedule our publishing is there's a book fair in two weeks. We asked an artist to make a book a couple of years ago, and suddenly <laughs> they have a project ready for us. So we want uh, our main. Uh, method of distributing work is traveling to book fairs and sitting behind a table and selling selling the books and the prints. So uh, when it comes when it comes to us, then we work to get it done in time for um, for whatever event, and that uh, that almost always doesn't doesn't leave a lot of time for us to go back and forth with the artist and share share that that part of the process yeah 
think it looks <laughs> pretty good though. It works out. Yeah, no, they, they look beautiful. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll pass around another book I have. That's uh, it's called Shim Shamanic Shunga by Arrington D. Dionoso. Um, it's this collection of paintings uh, that he's made, and um, uh, yeah, I'll just pass it around. So then, Maurice, like you have a a history with artist books as well. Um, and in, in part, like started Gloria Glitzer to produce artist books. Um, do you have a uh, practice of producing books yourself that have uh, that has affected how you're approaching Gloria Glitzer and working with other artists? Um, I think the the reason printing process affected a lot, or also sorry. yeah, you got two microphones, yeah, it's buddy. A bit irritating. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Take this one. Just <laughs> okay. So I might jump in. There are four mics. There's no need all right. to pass on mic. Okay. Oh yeah. So we're you can get just one. And we're all just very polite with, with all these microphones. <laughs> That's sweet, but yeah. <laughs> also way go. of moderating. Just has well, one. Yeah. <laughs> now there's no no moderation anymore. We're just jumping in. So very good. You all have access. <laughs> Um, I mean, exchange is always interesting. It also always helps to, uh, yeah, to get an impression how other artists work. Yeah. And um, this often, yeah, um, widens the horizon a lot. And what was the question? Um, well, <laughs> it was about more about uh, looking at the book as a way to think through questions yeah. and um, conceptual concerns. Okay. And coming at it from an artist's book perspective, being able to ask questions of that object and what it means to be publishing something. Um, it was partially uh, thinking about you as a publisher, asking specific questions and curating through that set of questions, or whether collaborating with other artists to print work uh, change the way that you looked at the object itself. I mean, most of the books are our own artistic work or, or artwork, so we understand the book as a perfect uh, place for our stuff. We stopped completely uh, doing um, other form of artworks, Yeah. except maybe art prints, but in most cases, they are just uh, parts of the books in a way, or a preview of a book that's coming soon. Yeah. So, um, so we're already uh, thinking in spreads in a way. So uh, this developed over the time because Francisca studied painting, so she's actually working with a completely different size in the beginning. Yeah. And now it's uh, reduced, especially when we work with Ariza to A3. What's uh, sometimes challenging, but um, on the other hand, you have always the freedom to add as many pages as you want to your book. Yeah. And this um, helps a lot, or uh, yeah, it's a different way of working, but uh, developed over the time. And I think our first books are, more, are not uh, that conceptual. It's getting more and more cryptic in a way because you just sit together thinking about and think, okay, let's add this layer. Yeah. And 
And I ask that question because I also come from an artist book practice. So I'm really here for the superiority of the book and realize that I have been thinking so much in terms of the book form. Um, so that's, I was really curious to hear you talk about that. Yeah. Um, and Marie, your collective is kind of spread out. As you mm -hmm. said, you're not really printing together or printing separately. Yeah. So I guess. And we don't print for anyone else. Like, we, yeah. just, we do ourselves. So then uh, the question is almost even more direct for you, like thinking through the book as an object um, and how do you conceptualize that space? Well, I don't think the, I, I don't speak for the whole of resource, you can actually speak for me. Yeah. There's no high level of, there's no much concept at the moment behind my work. It's more playing with the machine and the restrictions. Yeah. Um, like just playing, yeah, just experimenting. So then, like, so I leave Glasgow in April and I'm going to, have more time than the employees, so I'm gonna have more time to do my own things, and hopefully, yeah, do more research and um, work on more interesting things. And um, yeah, so yeah, and I think I still keep using Rizal and maybe other other processes as well, other printmaking techniques. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, obviously, obviously when when I magazine I think about yeah like the restrictions of reason so what can I do um, the binding the choice of paper obviously this is I consider it um, yeah. and I, I'm yeah I'm hoping in 20 years time I won't be doing all these reasons no offense but, uh, <laughs> I want to do I hopefully will still be doing reason but also I don't know other techniques and like try different things yeah no I'm excited to hear you talk about like letterpress and other things that you have mm -hmm. access to yeah, it's a luxury. Like I'm like working with Edwin and Ruth who run the classroom in Glasgow. Um, it's really cool. Look, they because they said I could come back whenever I want yeah. and, and do micro residency. So it means it's unlimited access to uh, um, facilities that are not that easy to find, especially in this country. Right there's uh, not much. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, there's another aspect that I wanted to kind of get to with the idea of publishing, and that's uh, like two sides of the table almost, which is community and audience. And just cheap, whenever, you're, whenever you're talking about color code, you're talking about initially publishing people within uh, kind of a, a tight knit community in Toronto. And I'm interested to hear about how you uh, support and grow a community around the published work but also how you're thinking about what an audience is for the work that you're producing. And that question is, is for everyone, but you're on the spot. Uh, sure, uh, in regards to trying to support and grow the community, uh, I, for us, for me, I've been, I also organize a small press, a zine fair in Toronto. Yeah. Um, it's called Zine Dream, and it's going into its 12th year. And so this, like I was doing this uh, is almost it's not separate but like independent of knowing anything about reso printing or even my own screen uh, screen printing practice and my own uh, making of things it was just to see um, to see that there was a void for opportunities for people like myself in Toronto to sell or to share even share just share their work um, there, were, there was like one other event, very few, there are very few shops and places to show your work. Um, so 
however, uh, 12 years ago, we started a small press fair. And uh, so in like over the last, uh, over that time, it's, uh, it's uh, there's so much feedback between our printing practice and hosting an event that every year we have between 80 to, oops, uh, 80 to 100 um, uh, exhibitors uh, that are mostly Toronto-based artists, and um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like it's uh, uh, both of these things are intertwined with each other, and uh, but also feel independent because we're we print for people, but then like I don't know. We're just trying to host a, a space for anyone to come and share their work. Uh, at the beginning, like the first five or so years of uh, doing Scene Dream, it was just a free, almost a free-for-all. We had just uh, had first, like, there's a limited amount of, of space, but it would be first come, first serve uh, for who would exhibit at the event. And it wasn't, it didn't, that made sense because we had space and it, it was almost that uh, exactly the amount of people that we had space for showed up or yeah. asked us about being at the event. And then even if there were more, we were like working hard to cram them in, which in retrospect is not, not great <laughs> for <laughs> like going to a Z fair. <laughs> uh, but um, like it, as it's grown, um, I mean, we're just trying to sh present a diversity of work and that's a really incredible effort, and I'm curious if you see any parallels between putting together a zine dream and actually publishing, like that act of curation and making sure that you're uh, representing who you want to represent. Um, I think so. Uh, I mean, just also from being a publisher, printer, and going to book fairs and zine fairs uh, all over, um, like we see, um, we see it with all the people that we exhibit with here and at other book fairs and in Zine Dream, the kind of work that's being presented changes over time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, we're at a, we're at Magical Riso, a book fair that's uh, all Riso printers. A few years ago, you'd go to a book fair and there'd be a handful of Riso printers. Uh, I mean, this is different, this is uh, Riso, only event, yeah, yeah. But like to know that we there can be a resale only event isn't really such a, a crazy thing. But um, yeah, like over the last uh, ten years, to see there being one resale printer, there being a dozen resale printers, yeah, there being enough resale printers that will travel from all over the world to have a resale book fair, um, and then just to see how that also. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not just about the printing, it's it affects the kind of work that's being reproduced, and the style of like, the artists that are showing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where, where, <laughs> where I'm going with that. Well, it's, it's interesting to think about it as the, the growth, right? Just like having fairs like this or having fairs where Riso is, is being represented more thoroughly, it's like more avenues of thought being directed towards that process. Yeah. Um, 
Morty, it's the same question for you, but one of the things I'm curious about is also your, your library that you mentioned, mm. and that also as a, uh, as a tool for community, both for uh, reference and archiving, um, and almost like a, your own time capsule carrying some of these books into the future. It's both. It's a bit um, what you mentioned in the beginning that uh, it's a good uh, point uh, for people who are new to the print process just to show them or give them an idea uh, what a Rizzo printed artist book can look like or um, uh, what's possible with machine, where are the limitations a bit. And sometimes I have the feeling it's a bit easier to do this with this library where they can discover themselves than with uh, talking to them and feeling like in, uh, teaching them. Yeah. And um, on the other hand, sure, a lot of our publications and especially the publications I'm, uh, I'm really proud to produce for other artists uh, went in there as well. It's also kind of a exchange because a lot of the books uh, we swapped during fairs with other Rezo printers or publishers and um, it's a growing library of collection and a safe space as well because we also have some ephemera stuff yeah we have the color chart library that's really uh, interesting to me it just became more interesting when it just prepared the exhibition for this year because there was, were two years in between and to see uh, how uh, the color charts developed in a way yeah. was, uh, or what colors uh, are now um, <laughs> most wanted yeah or um, yeah it's interesting yeah, it's interesting like cross-section of where Riso printers are right now yeah to see what uh, what they're putting on display with those color charts yeah, the color charts are uh, or the idea for the color charts, for example, was always uh, to see. I mean, Rezo is a lot of DIY. It's a lot of try and error, and um, because there's no tutorial you read, and then you know how to Rezo or Rezo for dummies. Um, and for me, always those color charts are kind of the essence how the approach of each Rezo printer is to the machine. Yeah. And it's, really brings it a very concentrated point and that was the idea to yeah, uh, put them on a wall and see the differences or the different approaches or yeah who's very into registration and who just doing punk yeah no i love that installation it's like this all these little windows into different possibilities for what can be done with a machine you know <laughs> um then for mari uh, I feel like there's a, a kind of a slightly different angle of the question for you, um, partially because you're part of a collective and not necessarily publishing work by other people, but um, you came together with a collective for a specific reason to be putting things together together for these fairs to be distributing work. So, how can you define community within that structure, or how are you collaborating with people within that structure for yourself? Well, I think we are hoping to, at least I am, like we are hoping to move it, to make it change. Mm -hmm. So we would like to be able to work together and have, like do residencies where maybe we all, I'm, I'm going to try to buy my own Rizzo yeah. and take it home. And I don't know how long I'm going to stay there, but um, the idea is that all of us would come 
to mind, stay at mind because we have space uh, and experiment. And having the, the resort uh, in Basque country would be also, I think, a way of... Because in uh, Basque culture there's a lot of uh, poetry, there's a lot of um, uh, singing, but there's maybe, like, in art, at least in our area, it's not really rich in, uh, in terms of visual art. So uh, doing workshops uh, for people who are don't have an art background necessarily. Yeah. Um, organizing residencies and having people coming to stay at art and work as long as they want. Um, trying to get funding to organize it, uh, to be able to pay flights, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's more like working with the community. But maybe not the art. Not, not I would be more interested in working with people who maybe don't have an art background. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's the thing. My sister is also an illustrator, and she, so she's called Dom, and she, she's already, she's back, she works back home already, and she, she wanted to start maybe like an LGBT zine. So we talked about, I don't know, maybe she could design, we could design together, and work um, for feminism. And uh, yeah, LGBT culture uh, that's in great. this country. So that's, that's more something we yeah. I think I mean we need to talk about it with her properly. But that that was our first idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that kind of answers my next and, and last question before I open this up to the audience. Was what do you have? What's going on next for you guys? What happens after Magical Riso? So anyone can can take this. Uh, so I've mentioned Color Code does, prim uh, so we primarily do uh, printing as a service and publishing as a part of what we do. Um, in the last year we s we've started teaching workshops around resale printing and that has, uh, I mean, we, we do it maybe once a month and so we've had about a dozen workshops. Um, that has been so much more rewarding than just printing people's work. So we're hoping in the, in the next year to elevate that practice for us and make that more significant, more of what we do. Uh, we're also interested in what we want. We want to open our studio for people to visit and actually use the RISO, which it, that's kind of, That'll, that'll be something we have a lot of work to figure out because we we have to we are printing as a service because we have to pay our bills with it yeah and we have to pay our rent and we have to just make a living from doing that trying to trying to figure out a new avenue for what we do it'll take some some figuring out but that's what our goal is for the near future um, yeah because it's just uh, I mean. Uh, otherwise, we're you know we get a, a bunch of emails. Someone they email people email us their artwork, and then they come pick up their artwork. Yeah, it's like a real. Uh, it's just real transactional. Like, uh, there's not a lot to it. Like often we get to print some really interesting and like nice looking things, but when we can have people into the studio and share share like what we know and share our skills with them and introduce them to printing uh it feels really powerful and yeah that's uh 
it works there. That sounds amazing <laughs> and like a great way to, again, that question about community, but also opening up so many different possibilities for other people. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's what brought me to print, printing in the first place. I uh, was, in, I, in, I had an internship, like I was just out of high school and I saw artwork by a Toronto-based artist who would make show posters and I just asked him if I could hang around the shop and help him out and yeah. learn what he does and he let me just visit once a week and I mean in retrospect I was doing a lot of work but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a very uh, positive experience and it shaped it's shaped my entire life basically uh, I mean I was really attracted to it but yeah so we hope we can have impact like that on young artists. I'm sure you will. Uh, yeah, so you can uh, go first. Yeah, no, uh, for, for me, it's, uh, after my degree, is going back to Glasgow and work until April. And then hopefully buy a machine and buy a result and start doing exciting, exciting things. Excellent. Right, yeah. Well, a, a field of possibilities, William. Right, so what's next? Uh, uh, we just continue our Europe tour. <laughs> <laughs> Where's next on tour? Two more fairs to go, and then we, uh, yeah, I'm gone. Uh, I'm done. Yeah. For this year. <laughs> this November is really weird. It's really lot. Feels a bit like being a band touring around, showing, uh, presenting new album. Yeah. And uh, but I'm very happy when it's December, so I can just uh, go to the studio back uh, or back to the studio again and work on new projects. Yeah, the fair season is really compressed here at the end of the year. I'm sure like rest is on everyone's slate. I think it's no. just getting too much, too many. Yeah, there's so a lot. It's more fairs every year. I think you can yeah, go every day to a fair somewhere <laughs> yeah. on a world, on a globe. All right, well, that's, that's all of my questions and keeping an eye on the time. But um, I would like to open this up to the audience. So if anyone does have a question, uh, now's the time to ask. <laughs> yeah, please. Well, uh, actually, I'm completely exhausted and empty. <laughs> I can't ask any reasonable question anymore. But on the other hand, I got very much energy of these uh, three days. Yeah. Um, I had no time to visit the album fair, so I asked my colleagues how, how did it go. And so I don't know. But I will uh, after this, I will listen carefully to uh, all the people who are here to improve the next version of uh, Magic Arizo and to change the theme. So I'm really thinking to do a survey shortly, but nobody will uh, answer anyway, but uh, <laughs> maybe so. But um, yeah, I was completely uh, moved by the fact that uh, 150 people from all over the world uh, come here. If you see them having a meal, uh, if you see the art book fair, um, and the weeks before, I, you were always very worried. Where will this end? Will everybody come? And whatever. But so far, even the self version, uh, it's 
still a success when it comes to me. So I'm very happy and I'm happy to contribute to uh, the Rizal community. Um, it's all um, dependent on uh, sponsoring, but also the infrastructure that we have at the Abenaik Academy and how we approach things. So without uh, this uh, surrounding, it was never possible. And um, in the end, if you see the reactions, you also feel obliged to do it. Because if we don't do it, who will do it? Yeah. Yeah? So thank you all for that. Uh, it doesn't contribute to the discussion, but <laughs> I want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I mean, maybe actually ending with the, the success of Magical Riso this year and with recognizing that this is such an amazing space for everyone to come together is a really good way to end the discussion. So, uh, thank you, Yo. This is great. Thank you, um, thank you. And thanks, everyone, for hanging out here in the auditorium.